I want to begin this week with the quote I read from Father Alexander Schmemann from For the Life of the World from last week. And he taught us this. The early Christians realized that in order to become the temple of the Holy Spirit, they must ascend to heaven where Christ ascended. They realized also that this ascension was the very condition for their mission in the world, of their ministry to the world. For there in heaven they were immersed in the new life of the kingdom, and when after this liturgy of ascension they returned into the world, their faces reflected the light, the joy and peace of that kingdom and they were truly its witnesses. They brought no programs and no theories, but wherever they went, the seeds of the kingdom sprouted. Faith was kindled. Life was transfigured. Things impossible were made possible. They were witnesses. And when they were asked, whence shines the light? Where is the source of this power? They knew what to answer and where to lead men. Isn't that beautiful? And that's what's happening in the Mass. So last week, if you recall, I drew on the board, and I know it's kind of faint, but it is the image of a mountain. Okay? It's exactly what he's describing. The people go up to be with God. God comes to be with them. They are together receiving from God, receiving grace, life, power, forgiveness... And then from that time with Him, we descend the mountain and go out into the world to share what we have gained and to grow in maturity in Christ from the grace of God within us. So the shape of the liturgy, and we found out, if you remember correctly, we looked back at so many Old Testament examples of how God met with His people, and it was always upon a mountain. When you looked at Moses receiving the law, when you looked at the burning bush experience, Moses would go up ascend, be with God. He would be transfigured. Remember after he received the law, his face shone with the glory of God radiating. So much so he had to cover himself when he went to the people. There's the descending and bringing to the people what he received. And the Mass is designed by God after the way that God has always intended to meet with his people, offer himself to his people, transfigure them into His likeness and send them out to demonstrate it. That was last week. Okay? And we need to keep in mind the shape of the liturgy because when we go through the liturgy very specifically, we're going to note every stage that we're in in this journey. And you've noticed that there are five steps to the Mass. Five categories if we look at this journey up and descend down. There is the preparation stage, the actual ascent that we will find in the liturgy, the pinnacle event being with God in the most intimate way, taking Himself into ourselves through His body and blood, preparing to go back out in the descent, and fulfilling the mission of the church into the world. All of that is in the Mass. So what we're going to do today, and we're going to spend two weeks on this, we're going to talk about this stage of preparation. Now this week, I'm going to talk about why we need and how we're called to a stage of preparation, both in our homes, before we come to Mass, 
and also at the beginnings of Mass entering into the church itself. Next time we meet, the week after the bishop is here, the next time we meet, I'm going to talk about how to prepare in your homes. Okay? I can't do it all today. It's got to be two sessions. So let's begin today with this idea of preparation. And I want to actually throw a word on top of this. It is correct for the stage that we're in, but to me, to be more descriptive as to what this stage calls us to, I want to give you the word consecration. We are called to consecrate ourselves in preparation to meet with God. And in the Hebrew, where we find the word consecration a lot, in the Hebrew, we find that it has a number of different intertwining meanings, and I want to offer those to you. To consecrate yourself means to set yourself apart. And that's the crux of consecration. I set myself apart for something. Another meaning in that word consecrate is to separate yourself to be holy. Separate yourself by the grace of God to be holy. And infinitely it's this. It is to be set apart, to set apart yourself for sacred use. To set yourself apart for sacred use. Now the word used in the Old Testament often is normally referring to one of three different types of situations. And I want to give you those. In the Old Testament, items for use in the temple for the worship of God were consecrated. In no different way, you know we consecrate items to be used in Mass. And their function from the time that we set them aside is only for one use. We don't go out and have a good time drinking from wine from these chalices. They have been consecrated to be used to be the container in which wine is turned into the blood of Jesus Christ and they will never be used for anything else. You get the idea. Those items have been consecrated, set apart for a sacred use, a sacred service. Make sense? Okay, so that's one way in the Old Testament that was done. Secondly, priests were consecrated and called to consecrate themselves before going before God. And definitely before going into the Holy of Holies. There was a whole ritual, ceremonial, cleansing, consecration that they would go through. And thirdly, the third type of situation is people were called to consecrate themselves when God said, I'm about to do something wondrous for you. So separate yourselves. Separate yourselves unto me. Prepare. Consecrate yourselves. Be holy. Because I'm coming to dwell with you. I'm coming to be with you. And I'm coming to do something wondrous for you. So consecrate Yourselves. Let's look at some of those scriptural examples particular to those three instances. If we look at Exodus in chapter 19, and remember this is the beginning stage of when Moses is about to receive the law from God on Mount Sinai. Okay, Exodus chapter 19. First, he commands the people to consecrate themselves. 
And here we have it read, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. And so it would be for two days. The people would go through their ceremonial washing, readying themselves, consecrating themselves for this day of God, the day that they would meet with God where He would come and be with Him, with them at the mountain. Anybody find anything interesting? I know there's no foreshadowing in it talking about the third day. Right. That's just happenstance, but we'll get through it. Alright, Exodus chapter 19 and verse 22. God commands the priests to be consecrated, to consecrate themselves. He says, also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Okay? Not only were the people, not only were the priests to be consecrated, but so was the place of meeting. Listen to Exodus chapter 19, verse 23. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Mount Sinai. For you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. So Moses and the priests, the Levites, were to consecrate the very place that God would meet with them. Make it holy. Set it aside for the use of God to meet God with His people. Now, how many of you know that the altar, that is the place where we meet with God, is consecrated? It is set aside. The altar is consecrated by a bishop. And the antimension, remember the antimens, the cloth we all saw, is set upon it to be blessed, rendering it the altar. Rendering it the place of God's self-sacrifice and offering to us the place in which God desires to meet with His people. The altar itself is set aside. Okay? But also in the Mass you see some actions reminding you of this fact. What's the first thing that you see the celebrant do when he ascends the altar? He takes the censer and what does he do? Senses the whole altar. And what does incense represent? There's a couple of things. What does incense represent? The prayers of the people. Remember in Revelation it talks about as incense, the prayers of the people went before the very throne of God. It's also a sign of consecration. Set, up, set aside for holy use. So when you are sensed, it reminds you my prayers are being heard before God and I am separated to Him for Him alone as a living stone in His church. Right? So you see all of this. The altar is, is consecrated. Guess what? So are the priests. It begins with their ordination. Okay, and any people serving at the altar, like you talked about today, with the subdeacon, the deacon, they're all set aside, consecrated for holy use for a particular service at the altar. So the priests, for example, are consecrated upon their ordination by the bishop to administer the sacraments. 
But they also go through consecration prayers every time before Mass. We have prayers before Mass, but not only this. With every item that a priest or a deacon or a subdeacon puts on, there is a prayer that goes along with it, preparing them to meet with God, preparing them to stand at the altar, and preparing their hearts to be clean before God upon the approach. All of that still happens in the church. And these are things of preparation that are done. But let's go back to the people consecrating themselves. Because there's one other item I want to mention. And we slightly touched on it. In Joshua in chapter 3. Now this is where Israel is about to cross the Jordan into the promised land for the first time. Remember Moses is not going with them. And so they're all gathered there looking across the Jordan River, looking and seeing the promised land they're about to enter into. And here is what it reads in Joshua prior to this event. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was, and here we go again, after three days, that the officers went through the camp, And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from that place and go after it. Yet there shall still be space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And there's the key verse. They weren't consecrating themselves to go up to a mountain here. There's a different idea in this consecration. This time it was prepare yourselves, prepare your hearts, consecrate yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually because God is about to do a wonder among you. Do you not get that every time we come to Mass... God is desirous to do a wonder among us. He comes in the form of bread and wine. He graces us, gives us His life. He forgives our sins, washing us clean. And who knows what else He might do among us. We have great reason to prepare to consecrate ourselves for this the day of the Lord. The day that we will meet with our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The day that we will meet with those who have gone before us, who are eternally worshiping. And so we have great reason to set ourselves apart, to go through what it takes to set ourselves apart to be with God, for we are going to ascend, we are going to meet with Him, and He is going to do a wonder among us, you see. That's why we're called to consecrate ourselves. It's exactly what God has designed in the Mass for us. Father, yes. whose relics are in our altar? I got the list, and it's just changed. Annie, help me if I, if I miss any. In the Antimons is 
St. Raphael, but we also had a St. Raphael in our old one that is now, now you see three crosses on either side of the tabernacle. That was just done this week. We have St. Raphael, we have St. Blaise, we have a cloth from St. Herman, we have the chains of Peter and the chains of Paul. Am I missing one? I think that's it. St. Vincent and St. Vincent will be on the back wall framed like you see the rest of them. We're just waiting on the framing to be done. But no, the, on the altar though, that's it. Okay? Alright. Now, going on a little bit as we come to a conclusion here. What is the ultimate? Think of all the sacraments. What is the ultimate sacrament that within it has the grace to aid us in consecrating ourselves? Think about it. Well, the aid to get there, the aid to back up, the grace to prepare ourselves to receive Eucharist. Okay, that's one. Baptism. That's the other. No problem. I'll get you. Confession, certainly. But right above that, as far as that preparation, is baptism. In baptism, what happens? In baptism, all of our sins are what? They are washed away, all past sins. And as they are washed away, since we die to that, we are filled with the life of God by the Holy Spirit. What a ceremonial washing that is, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit now to do these very things. And I'm going to mention these two things again because I've said them already today. We'll go more in depth in a later lesson. This is exactly why everyone is to, when walking into from the narthex into the nave, dip your finger in in that holy water and sign yourself with the cross and for goodness sake, don't rush. Stand there and take a breath for a moment. Think about what... Remember Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me when it comes to the Eucharist. You can have the same remembrance experience with your own baptism. If I dip my finger in the holy water and I sign myself, I bring that baptism, not re-baptism, I bring that baptism from the past, I remember all that was done for me, I look at it in the now, and I see that by my baptism I belong here imperfect as I am. I belong here to offer God worship. I belong here because He longs to offer Himself to me. I belong. And it helps us. And then what's that second thing we do not long after? Asperges. What are the words of Asperges? Say it. If I can. Start us out. <laughs> Peter? I beheld water that proceeded from the temples. No. On the right side thereof. Mm-hmm. What are the words, though? I wish I had them in front of me. I'm, I'm drawing a blank to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the water. Wash me and I will be made clean. Thank you. Okay, you can take a vacation. <laughs> um, at, did, did you hear that prayer? Sprinkle with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be made whiter than snow. Consecration prayer. Oh Lord, as this water touches me, bring me back to that baptism. You know? 
remind me of who I am in you. Cleanse my heart, ready my heart to offer you worship and receive from you. How might just those simple things change the dynamic if we approach the Mass as if we're actually going to meet with our God and we've prepared in such a way what just might happen? I'll tell you. You'll experience heaven and earth. And like Father Alexander Schmemann said, you will experience the joys, you will taste the heavenlies, you will taste the kingdom of God, and you will long for more. And you will go out from here wanting to show more and to bring people to taste of the same thing. And that's what we're talking about in this idea of consecration. So, again, to sum up, we are at the preparation stage. And in that preparation stage, starting in our homes, starting with Vespers, starting with Matins, and even when we enter into the church and some of the most minute things we do can be so meaningful to consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart for holy use, set ourselves apart to meet with God, give Him what He is due, which is our worship, and He will offer us Himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand.